this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Pastor Ruth, Pastor Chris, they're my parents actually, my name's Eleanor and we thought it would be fun to do something different for Vision Sunday. We do this Sunday every year in February to kind of just look at church and the year and why we're here and what's it all about and so we thought it would be cool to kind of really dig in and hear your perspective on that with a slightly different format. So welcome. How was the kids band? Kids are fantastic. Great. Love it. Okay. Well, should we just dive in? Mm-hmm. Great. Um, well, let's do a bit of background, a little, a little get to know you. Uh, so Ruth, Chris, um, they were born again age 10, age 15. Chris studied as a teacher. This is like a bad eulogy or something. Like, <laughs> studied as a teacher, studied arts law, and then you guys met at Bible college. Did you yes. woo her? I, you know, they say first impressions really count. <laughs> I met Ruth at the end of 1985, and then I didn't see her in the church for a couple of months. She had gone overseas, and then we started Bible college, and there she was. There was that girl that I'd already met and asked my mate, Paul Van Essen, the guy coming next, he had been in the church, and I said, in- introduce me to that girl. And he went, oh, settle down. She's going to probably marry a pastor. She's really God. And I went, I don't care. Come on. And I met her and we had this, you know, first meeting. And then when we started Bible college, I thought, oh, there she is. Oh, hi, Ruth. She goes, hello. Yes. And I said, Chris. She goes, nice to meet you. I said, no, no, we've met. She goes, no, no, we haven't. So, so, so my work was cut battle. out for me. Yeah. Yes. Great. So she played I had cool. to, I had And then mum and dad also have a bit of this sort of like Romeo and Juliet narrative that she's like posh private school and he was like, you know, bad boy motorbike rider. But really, you grew up like 15 minutes apart yeah. and your dad's a pilot. So I don't know yeah. how bad boy you really yeah. are, but <laughs> they overcame their class struggles from yeah. Forestville and Pimble. Yeah. If yeah, that's something, if someone's from Wyoming and someone's from Niagara Park, we'll deal with that at the um, at the Marriage Connect. If that's something you guys are also battling, if you know the North Shore, you'll understand. Thank okay, you. Ruth. <laughs> oh, I, I'm not into it. I left. No, I know. Okay, so so they yes, went the Bible to... College was at Pastor Phil Pringle's church, Christian City Church, as it was back then. C3 Church now, the mothership, the church that was planted in Sydney, and he's trained and raised a lot of great people over the years and he chased me all year long chris did not pastor phil (laughs) (laughs) to be clear you chris that's a scandal chased me all year long yes it's very romantic actually so you got married yay still married and had a few kids one of them was me the main one number two (laughs) um four we had four yeah you had four kids uh and and, two more and then you had two more so you felt the call did, of God. You probably need to explain that. You had four kids. They fostered two boys when we I was had, about 18. They had a four and a five-year-old move in and yeah. deal with that. And that was amazing. And one's still hanging around. Mm-hmm. 17-year-old Keelan. Sometimes. He's a legend. Yeah, sometimes. So you felt the call of God in those early years. What is the call of God, Ruth? Mum? When I left school, I just... Uh, 
I just didn't know what to do and I was passionate to do something for God. And I remember I went to the Faroe Islands, believe it or not. Um, I was an exchange student in Denmark and I went to the Faroe Islands and God plonked me with some lovely, a lovely Christian family. And they were so beautiful and this young woman was so eager to serve God. She wanted to be a missionary. And I can remember being so inspired by her and I just got on my knees one day and said, all right, God, I'll do whatever you want. And it was a big call because where I grew up, you know, there's a certain way, the the tracks, you know, and it was pretty clear you could do medicine, dentistry or law. And so I chose law and um, (laughs) that was the way to go. But um, God had other plans. So I gave him my life and I didn't know what that meant. And I was really worried, actually, I wouldn't get married. I remember thinking, okay, I'm going to be a missionary. I'll have to go to somewhere and I'll probably never get married, but I'll do it for Jesus. So I gave him my life and then I came home and nothing happened. But I just felt this sense of what? So I started law anyway, but there was always this what am, this sense that God wanted me to do something more for him. And I, I just had to say, trust him and lay it down. And over the next few years, he showed me. But it was a sense of a hunger and a desire to serve him and a sense that he hadn't quite shown me what it was. So I was restless until he made it clear. So there was a call. It was like, come and do this. I'm like, what, what, what? But he was preparing me and just making me hungry to serve him and ready to serve him. And university was good for me because it was sort of good discipline. (laughs) I hated it. (laughs) I wanted to go anywhere but there. So where did you go? In the end, what happened? You went to, I don't know why I looked at my notes. I know, because I came with you. Russia. Well, so, yeah, but first went to Bible college. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, well, I we didn't. did that. You got yeah. married. Yeah, yeah but the, the call of God for us turned out to be full-time ministry. And a, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of the talk at the time was the call of God equals you're going to go and plant a church. But we've also discovered, even after we finished Bible college, that we went back into the normal world of employment. I went back to teaching and then I worked in, in another sector of financial planning. And so we really discovered that the call of God was essentially, God, I'll do whatever you want. And he doesn't want everybody to pastor a church. He wants people to play all kinds of different roles in the body of Christ and be in society. So we've really felt that that's, uh, you know, every member is a minister philosophy, that we're all uh, called of God, however that plays out. But yes, for us, it led to full-time ministry and yes, going to Russia as, as missionaries. Because I was just talking to Maddie about her job the other day, Maddie Puller, who leads our children's ministry along with me. And she said, yeah, yeah, my work's great, but I love doing this. So it's a call to service and a call to, to you know, love God that we all have. And it just, we've just got to find how, what that expression looks like. Yeah. Uh, Can I just share a scripture there? John 15, he says, You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit and that your fruit will remain. John 15, 16. So he he appoints us to go. And for us, we, we went to Russia and we went to the Central Coast. But, you know, sometimes that going is to go to the children's ministry. He called me to that too recently or go to the youth or there's a going and an appointment and we need to listen to that, sometimes that desire or that pull or that sense of they could do better at something. There's a, an appointment, I believe. And it's, it's so exciting to find the appointment. Like what's the point of 
climbing a ladder if you're on the wrong wall, you know what I'm saying? Like, so it's exciting to find that appointment and it was so exciting for us to be called here. I remember being called to the Central Coast, like you went down and prayed. We were in Russia at the time and Chris, we used to pray downstairs in the flat below and you were praying down there and we were praying about what do we do after this? We just didn't know what God wanted us to well, do. Well, Pastor Phil had come to Russia and said, we're starting a church on the Central Coast, we'd like you to pastor it. And I said, no. So I, I, did you really? Yeah. Yeah, we both said. Did you feel thought, bad? Yeah, Central like, Coast. I've been to the Central we Coast. We didn't feel the call. I yeah, just right. thought, yeah, it's surfies and retirees and uh, whatever. It was the image. I, I, I love the Central Coast, but we didn't have any yeah. sense of call. We just knew God wanted us to be in ministry. He'd already made it really clear to go to Russia. He'd, made, he'd definitely called us there. But all we knew was we, we want to start a church, but we don't know where. And we were thinking Atlanta, well, London. Yeah, yeah, we were offered right, the chance to take the church. Well, there was a secret yeah. church in, Atlanta, in in London. They asked us to take that. And I'd been, I was born in England. We thought, oh, great, I'll go and get a British passport and we'll live in... Yeah. But we visited that church and prayed and didn't feel that was for us. And then someone said, oh, Atlanta's opening up. This is the early 90s. Oh, they need churches in Atlanta. So we actually flew home via Atlanta from Russia. But by the time we flew to Atlanta... We knew we weren't going to stay there, so we had like two days pushing Ellen around the pram and carrying Hudson, looking at Atlanta, going, "Oh well, here we are." But we, yeah. but another guy did start a church in Atlanta that was very successful mm. uh, for our movement a couple of years later. But initially, we said no. Then, but in prayer, God really it was started literally to speak one to night. Us. You yes. were praying, and he came up, and I remember and he I goes, said, yeah, I "God we, spoke to me." He said, "We're going to start the church in the Central Coast," and I was like, "I went." I remember going, "Ah, oh, like that," and then. About a week later, a friend of ours who's very prophetic, she rang us up and we said hi. And she goes, oh, I had a dream about you guys. And I went, oh, yeah, what was that? And she goes, I feel Can like... Can I just say, when you say she rang us up, you had to book a phone call a week in advance with what the equivalent was Russian telecom. Yeah. How did you book a phone call? It was a nightmare. You had to ring up the telecom government tell thing. So this was 92, 93, so it was... You had to find someone that spoke English and then book an international call. And then they would tell you when your call was. And you say, well, that's not convenient. Beep, and it would just hang up. And your call, they gave you the time. It was always in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. 2 a.m. Great. So mm-hmm. then... And then when they realised we had foreigners so ringing us up, they actually there was an extortion attempt against us. But oh that's another God. story. Anyway, so anyway, Russia stories. They just end, Russia everything like, is endless. Because I'm pretty much the age you guys are when you went, and I have two kids similar ages, and I'm just like, what? <laughs> like, it was I crazy. can't believe you did yes, that. Yes, but the safest place in the world is in the centre of God's will. Yeah. yeah. And we really knew that. We sensed that, yeah. and uh, it was wonderful. It was fruitful, and you yes. survived. And so did your brother. Yep, and, uh, just, you know. So, um, okay, so you got the phone call. So in Sue the middle rang of the night. up yeah. and said, she rang us in the middle of the night, but she said, I've had a dream and I believe God wants you to pastor the church on the Central Coast. And we we're like, I was like, whoa, that was so God because Chris had just heard from God a week earlier. So there was a real confirmation. So we felt like, right. And, and did you did. guys feel keen for that or was there a reluctance oh, yeah. sort of laying no, down? No, no, no. I think once, once, you know, once when God you know calls. it's God's will, you're keen. Yeah, and great. So, yeah, it it didn't great. seem as fancy as London, Paris, Rome. But, um, Speak for yourself. <laughs> but I was like, okay, okay, Central Coast. And then when we got here, we went, well, it's pretty nice. Like, <laughs> yeah. very nice place to be and to raise children. So we were very, uh, in the end, I was like, 
thank you, God. Like, well, it was the complete opposite. In Russia, we had very hard living conditions and revival, mm. spiritual, just mm. wonderful fruit and excitement. And we came here and it was beautiful physically, but there was a lot of opposition spiritually. And, and people will tell you this with any church planting pastors who have tried to you know, plant a church, birth a work. It's not easy and there's spiritual mm -hmm. attack and difficulty. So you feel like you're walking through mud and, you know. Mm. So how were those early days? Would it, did it feel like, oh, yeah, this is good. This like, is, we're just, in it. Yes, yes and, yes and, yeah, like good and tough. Yeah, yeah right. Like, yes, it was, yeah, challenging to, mm -hmm. you, could, you, you sense, uh, you know, dark, demonic forces the devil doesn't Absolutely. like churches you know i can and, remember uh, driving down this that road down into gosford sometimes we used to escape on the weekends and i remember almost hearing devils going we hate you we hate you we hate you just just i felt like <clears throat> when we drove into the central coast there was there was hatred toward us and there was such attack it was oh. so there was attacks on our finances attacks on our church people hated us you know and i remember thinking we're not, really everyone, nice. not everyone <laughs> not everyone not, not everyone yeah. the, the Cherkovs came they liked us yay <laughs> but there was some hatred and, and real opposition against our church against our finances against our reputation um and which is children. completely normal yeah and par for the course like i our, said if you ask pastors who plant churches they'll say a child was sick every single sunday for a year Every Sunday, every Sunday for a year, we would wake up, one of the children would be very ill, but we had to go, to, we were starting a church, so we would come to church, and I don't know if the, we were still sick when the Cherkovs came, but we used to make, we just came every week, we made a little bed in the front of us, and we put the sick child like, on the bed, because we were just like, we're going to church, we are not, I'm not staying at home, we're coming to church, and we'd have one or two children every single Sunday sick on the front row, and people were just like, what's with them? And then every Monday, Every Monday, they were fine. They were fine, and then they would go to school or wherever they went. But it was so... It yeah, was I mean, so we couldn't have a sick day from school. Are you kidding? I'd like, one yeah, my whole childhood. <laughs> yeah. They wouldn't miss school. But lay your mat out in the classroom and lay down. <laughs> no, but it was clearly spiritual warfare. Yeah, yeah. And we just bound the devil and went, no, we're not, we don't accept that. So they, um, yeah, they'd come, and people just thought, Do you, were you around when that happened? Yeah, oh, you remember Tanya's that? Nodding. Do you remember that? And li the Bradys were very early on then too. Do you remember that? They were just sick every Sunday. I was like, what is this? So it was attack. It was just attack. But we got through that and over the years it became... Um, yeah, like I said, it's, it's normal to have challenges when you're birthing something. And we had a very wise pastor, Pastor John Pennycook, um, who started what is now Hope You See Church further up uh, the coast. And he said, it takes... I think we've been going for like five or eight years. And he said, don't worry, it takes about ten years to plant a church effectively or to really we're like wow you know <laughs> and so you do have to dig in and stand your ground and I think that's just taught us tenacity and we've tried to cultivate and encourage that attitude whether it's in your business or your marriage or raising your kids or you know there's issues in all kinds of parts of life and sometimes it's tempting to just run away but maybe you left that job just when there was going to be a breakthrough and get the promotion or marriage is the classic one where people you know break up just because there's difficulties and then they maybe two or three marriages later realize oh well there no one's perfect I'll just make this one work you know and so you're better off just kind of work it out for the first 10 years I felt like a failure did you consider stopping like properly stopping? <laughs> most Mondays most Mondays <laughs> Most Mondays, Chris would look at the he'd look at the um, the jobs 
jobs. Think, is there anything else I can do? We felt we just felt like a complete failures. We we didn't and most show pastors, that. Most pastors say that they just go. It's Monday, the classic Monday itis. It's not going back to work. It's looking for work. You know, you know. So people but, would pour yeah. in. They'd pour in, and then they say, "We love you," and then they'd leave. And we're like, "You're always disappointed." Oh God, it should be more. What are we doing wrong? We thought we were doing something wrong, and then you go to conferences, and some guy get up and go, "I've got ten thousand people in my church. Everyone loves you. I've got this, that, and the other." And we just I go, "Planted it last Tuesday." We, you know. We are, <laughs> We were like, we just, all the time, I just remember thinking, what are we doing wrong? What's wrong with us? We felt like failures, but we, we're stubborn, kind of faithful people, and God, we knew God called us here, so we're like, here we are. We're not going anywhere. So well, it comes back to the call of God. Yeah, I think right. if, you, if you do something that just suits you, you might miss the call of God, and conversely, if you do the call of God, it won't always suit you, but it's the call of God, and eventually you'll get enough hopefully, you know, encouragement and joy out of life and the, enjoy the journey, as they say. So we've just always come back to, look, God hasn't called us anywhere else. And so we will stay. And I'd be like, God, please take me, kill me, send me, do, give me something else to do, you know, and he didn't. So I was like, all right, fine, we'll carry on. Yeah, it was a bit hard. So what, uh, yeah. I, went, sorry, I went back to that scripture. He, I called you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. So I remember thinking... I know he called us, like that was, there was no doubt, and we were appointed. So therefore, I know that if we abide in him, we bear much fruit. That's why we're passionate about that message, because we had to really trust God that we were fruitful. Some, some people start churches and they just grow big and they're amazing, they're so successful, or businesses, or whatever it is that you do, you know, and other, other people are slow burners, you know, turtle and hare, and they... But then we saw other people come and go, and pastors start and stop, and all sorts of things, and... So, yeah, it was, it was good to just trust God. No, we are fruitful and we began to see beautiful, beautiful fruit. Which is yeah, so what, what did that shift look? Because that sounds bleak. <laughs> so, but here we are and we're all having quite a good time now. So what was that shift like? Was there a sense of sort of momentum? I imagine it was sort of a gradual thing. But where, where did you start to feel like, oh, we're in a groove now? Like this is... I think a lot of it comes fruitful. down to people because yeah. as people come who are faithful and who love you and you love them, it becomes a joy no matter what anyone says. It was just such joy in knowing people and seeing them grow up. I mean, I just think of the Cherkovs who then had some of these young adults that we had. I mean, I remember Sarah coming in as a young girl babysitting, babysitting you me, yeah. and then they start to grow up and they have children and get married and it's just so fun yeah. to see people, you know, to be part of this amazing community that we love each other. It's love. Like, I just love, I love being here. I can't wait to be here because I love you guys. And, you know, it's so lovely. So as you begin to see fruit in individuals' lives and people coming in and people belonging to us, it's just such delight. I can't even... I got it. Um, can I read a prophecy? Yeah, sure. We had a prophecy from Pastor Phil Pringle one time he came and he observed this church and this is what he prophesied over us, which I thought was beautiful. And I, I, I wrote it down because I loved it. He said, you make great disciples, brilliant, beautiful, noble, elegant Christians, dedicated to God. God loves you and smiles on your work, which was so lovely coming from, from Phil. But that's you guys. Brilliant, beautiful, noble, elegant Christians dedicated to God. And what a joy to raise 
You know, Jesus said, go and make disciples. And that's what we're called to do. And so any parent knows as your children grow and you see them become beautiful, elegant, noble people like you. Thanks, Mum. <laughs> but it's for all of us here. And so, I mean, I, what joy, what joy. So there are lots of different kinds of churches doing a lot of different things. How did you find what was the sort of specificity of this call of this church and how did you sort of have the confidence to lean into that and not be like comparing to other churches and other ministries what was that experience like well we read and realized as we probably all know that you can't do everything especially in church life uh you know and different churches specialize and major on different things so for us family's always been a key thing I loved kids growing up um, you know was a primary school teacher and and we had our own children so we're kind of biased in wanting to have a good children's ministry and uh, and so we really valued family and still do as part of the church uh, key values um, and I think uh, well you could add to that if you if if, if you want to just about how we've you work on your strengths obviously and so we both love teaching and preaching the bible uh and and have life application in teaching uh and not just us but you know we've got a great team of preachers in fact right now byron's preaching on rima fm uh because they they ring us and on sunday mornings at 10 a.m um they play the service of a local church and they often ring and ask for us and Chris does a brilliant job editing a service down to about 50 minutes worth. So I think you feature for about 10 seconds. Good morning, church. And then and it's so sort you, of, you got edited right out. I think the praise and worship, you're welcome, and then goes through to Byron's preaching from early January. So we're really blessed with others that love to you know teach and preach the word of God. I think it, the call and the strength of each church depends on the people too. So we, uh, we love to teach, we love to disciple, um, we love strong marriages and families. So we, we, we work on that and we attract people that are like that. We have a lot of teachers in this church, like actual school teachers in this church. And so that clearly is So much of the planning in this church goes around like school holidays oh. and when's term back and like- St. For, Phillips, yeah. I have to, I yeah, have to plan Specifically St. Phillips. You yeah, don't realise yeah. our church calendar is planned around St. Phillips because we have so many families and teachers and children there. But, um, but, you know, obviously, you know, you look at Hope You See and they have Darlene Check. So- Wow, they're quite good at music. So if you know, if you are, but but the thing is, it just it's wherever you're at, whatever you're good at. So if someone comes into our church and they think, man, you could do better with your music, and you're Darlene Check, or you're you know, feel free. Like that that's a ministry that could rise up. Yeah. So it depends on what people bring. Yeah, yeah. So we're always open to when we raise disciples. At, we also want you to find your appointment and your strength, and, and we'll encourage and, and serve and help you to, you know, fulfil your callings. Yeah, and I, can so. I just say, because I, I work for church one day a week for the last year or two, and I have found that, like, quite a lot. They're incredibly flexible pastors. Like, they're very into whatever, like, they just go where the passion is. If someone's, like, super pumped about something, like, there's a lot of space to do whatever cool creative thing is like you, you can you're very heard in this church if you've got an idea or energy or passion about something like you can there's a lot of runway to 
express that, I find, it, and very flexible with how that is sort of revealed in our years, speaking of vision, yeah. I think we are called to make disciples, but, yeah, as I said, what the disciples do is all part of that. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. yeah. So what have you seen change about past? Because So that was 28 years ago that you started. So in the last 28 years, what have you seen change about pastoring and the work, work of the church today compared to 30 years ago? So, yeah, well, you can, I'll start and you finish yeah, what I don't say properly. <laughs> right, you correct me. That's pretty much how it works. You tidy up his answer. That's how we roll, isn't it, men? I we give it a go. My husband. We give it a go. The, whether it's washing up in the sink or major life decisions, we give it a crack, and then the wives go, "Yeah, anyway, what we'll moves aside, buffet?" Kids, time. I know your father said A, but he's a bit of a buffet, so it's no. B. Listen to me. We're doing the it. The best this one way. was one time we came over for dinner, and Caleb did the dishes at Mum and Dad's house, like just help afterwards, and then Mum was standing in the kitchen with Caleb, and she's like, oh, "I mean, Chris, you know, I said he's so good, you. but to Caleb." Oh, to Caleb. And she goes, but I mean, look at the dishes. Like, look how greasy that. Like, it's just there. He's just hopeless, you know. Or something, you know. And Caleb was like, I did those dishes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, See? Men. Another man. No, so, no. yes, when we, when we met and trained in Bible college, Pastor Phil Pringle, you know, started the church in Sydney in 1980. Uh, and there was another little church that started on the other side of town. Hillsong, that's right. And so, you know, these churches are mega churches. And, it, and the church growth movement from the 70s into the 80s was a really big uh, development and shift in how church had been for the previous 2,000 years practically um, to promoting the idea that bigger is better. And we're not against big churches because we love the church experience we had there. But over the years, we realised, flip, you know, people ask me, Vision, Vision Sunday. If you'd asked me in 1995, what's your vision? I'd say 2000 by 2000. It would be numerical. And then when the year 2000 came, I was like, how about Lord 2001 by 2001? You know, because we hadn't got to our 2000 people. And so it was all very numerical. Mm. And um, we realised over the years that God loves big churches, but he also loves smaller churches. And in fact, 80% of the churches around the world today have less than 200 people. Um, and, and uh, you know, very few, I think 90% of those churches have like less than 100 people. And Jesus has been building his church for 2,000 years. So he's either failing or he's quite happy with churches that aren't all mega, mega churches. And I don't think Jesus, I don't think Jesus is a failure. I think he's reasonably successful. Um, and so it's a bit we, like if you have a family and you only have two children and you think you're a failure because you don't have seven or six. We have family in this church god bless the cases with six kids it's amazing but we don't feel like a failure because we have two there's just different sizes hope yeah, yeah, one of them's mouth so yeah. I mean, but one of them's mouth he's he's worth it's three about, it's all about the quality <laughs> of the child isn't it? <laughs> yes yes yeah, we're into quality not quantity down here yes yes it's so true so we realized um that was part of the shift that we've seen in the church landscape uh around the world especially with covid where people couldn't have big productions that they were used to for church and realise, well, what is the church essentially? It's relationships, whether they're online or small groups, big groups. Even the big churches know they've got to have smaller groups as well. And so we've thought, yeah, community is powerful. 
family is representative of God's values. It's a, it, the church is a family. We know he's the father and we're brothers and sisters. And so we've, um, we've thought, yeah, that's not just, uh, that's happening around the world. People appreciating organic connections, smaller groups, but also part of our shift was to cope with the fact that, all right, we may not be a mega church, but we're still going to love it yeah. and, uh, and just enjoy. And then you got onto the apple well, we tree. Had, yeah, so we had uh, one of the analogies that worked well for me was apple tree versus oak tree. And God really spoke to me, again, from being fruitful, that a fruitful apple tree is a delightful thing. And an oak tree is also wonderful, you know, big Hillsong kind of churches. But that an oak tree can be unhealthy. No, I'm not saying Hillsong is, um, but an oak tree can be unhealthy too. So it's not about necessarily the size, which tends to be in your DNA. It tends to be like, I think God actually appoints that because my observation is that just not necessarily the best pastors have the biggest churches. The biggest churches are big because God wants them to be big. It's as simple as that. And that they also have a responsibility to be faithful and to be fruitful and healthy. So just, as I said, just because you're an oak tree, are you faithful, healthful, and healthy and fruitful? That's, that's, and then God makes that assessment, not us. So we were called, I felt, to be more of an apple tree, which is beautiful and healthy and tasty. And so that was, uh, we started to get revelation about this. And this kind of message is actually spreading all around the, um, the world now. But it was fun because we went to a conference in the city and there was this amazing woman, Izzy de Gassini, and she's a prophetic. And she, um, she sings prophecies and she called out Chris and me and she goes, come out. She starts to sing over us and she goes, I see an apple tree, an apple tree. And it's very beautiful. And she's singing about this apple tree and there's apple pies and there's apples and you're all sitting under the apple tree. And I'm just like, oh, this is incredible. Like, I'm just laughing like, God, this is so cool. And we just thought, okay, great, we're happy. And she was such a darling. She sang for ages. And then I went up to her afterwards. She came up afterwards. No, no, I went to her. But she said... I went up to her afterwards and said, thank you so much for that prophecy. I said, that was so great. That was so relevant. She goes, was it? And I go, yes. And she goes, I was just like, God, what am I doing? I am singing about apples and apple trees. She goes, I hope this has some meaning to these people because they are going to think I'm completely strange, and which you would, wouldn't you? Someone goes on and on about apple trees. But for us, it was, it was really lovely. And because she said how beautiful the apple tree was and that you know people are blessed in the in and under the apple tree so very sweet that's cool okay so sorry um i should add though of course if we talk about small church versus big church we are always passionate about seeing people born again and join the church. We're never capping it out at numbers and saying, oh, no, 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 sorry, you're not welcome. We're happy as we are. You know what I mean? We, we will have multiple services and buy other buildings and we'll grow as big as God allows. And so know, we're who never... Who knows what the future holds? Yes, you know? but we're never... Who knows what the next generation will do? They might... They that's do, right. You know. So it's different seasons and, and giftings and places for different sizes, but we're still passionate about evangelism and soul winning. And, uh, and of course, that can mean, you know, more people. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, so, yeah, oh, yeah just because I work here, like, I was surprised when I started how much time has to be spent on, like, regulations and denominational requirements and building maintenance. And it's, there's a lot of actual admin that goes into the, 
the daily, weekly running of church. So, Dad, for you, how do you manage the admin? Because it is mostly Dad with admin. But, um, like, that with the, I guess, not burden, but responsibility of, like, the spiritual freshness and revelation. Like, because they're very different roles and responsibilities that you have to kind of have parallel. Is that at all a challenge? Sure, but it's not insurmountable. I think I just organise my time and I'm so blessed with a great team and anyone knows, well, teachers know about compliance and regulations, how that's increased and churches, uh, you know, especially because we have children, uh, you know, we've got a lot of compliance and the government's... Obviously, it's important to make sure that we... And we're blessed. We have Martin, who's involved in this kind of field for children um, in the school sector and has helped write policies. Uh, so he's been able to keep a really good eye uh, on our child protection policies and procedures. Uh, so I've got great backup and other team with admin and finances. I've never touched an offering. That was part of our value early on that we had learnt along the way that, you know, pastors and money just keep them separate, don't, you know what I mean, be tempted and have all things appearing uh, well for others as well. So so we've got, uh, you know, Linda, uh, Janelle, Harriet, uh, Sarah helping with our finance administration. So they do a great job. So I do some of the admin but help to organise and have others yeah, do yeah. stuff. But then I set aside times where it's like, I am not doing paperwork and emails, I'm seeking God and praying and, you know what I mean, you've got to have the two different worlds... Yeah. Which I suppose yeah. is like for everybody. We've well, all of got course. like boring If you're a creative, you yeah, know, I'm sure you've still got to yeah. pay the bills, but yeah, then you've got yeah. to go and, you know, write or paint or whatever. And, and so you've got different yeah, aspects. Cool. Okay. So what is God speaking to you about right now, Ruth? <laughs> Anything that you want to share that you're hearing from him as we sort of come into a new year? Or? Personally or for the church? Either. Whatever you like. I just finished the book of Esther. Oh, cool. And... It was lovely. Like, what a brave woman. And I just loved that she had to marry a foreign king and make herself beautiful for him. And it was such a strange calling to, you know, what a... But her, her cousin Mordecai said, you know, who knows? Who knows if you were brought to the kingdom for such a time as this? Such, you know, and her calling was to be beautiful basically like she had to look stunning and she had to be very brave and and speak to the king who was her husband and that was that was her appointment you know just to be an amazing wife and just to be a very brave woman to to confront the evil that was trying to attack the Jews and and kill them all at that time um so you know different appointments mm-hmm. in different places we're called to be wives and husbands and workers and run businesses and teach at schools and sometimes perhaps we don't feel that our you know she's just a wife it just you know she but she became famous because she was called for this that particular time and those particular people so we all have appointments for, mm-hmm. for such a time as this mm. you know these are great times do you believe in destiny like that someone has one specific path that God has called them to walk out? I do. I think God has an appointment and a calling. But I know he's also gracious. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we go off a little bit. We maybe do a bit of a wander. And he has this lovely way of either bringing us back on track or 
rescheduling somehow. Mm -hmm. So I think we, we may feel that we've missed it or we may feel we've wasted some time or years or we're in, something's not right. But if we start from today, from right now, we can be in the appointment and the calling of God from right now. Mm -hmm. So he's very gracious and very mystical in that calling. Yeah, yeah. Chris, what are you excited about? Um, well, this morning I read about Manasseh, who was an evil king, and the first one who was taken into captivity. So that's sort of a dud. Uh, <laughs> but interestingly, <laughs> he was so humbled, like he was terribly evil, but he's, and, and he's there in Babylon, and it says, but he cried out to God, he repented, and God forgave him, released him, and sent him back. And so you're never too far from God's gracious hand. But that's just a, my little personal. I, um, the other morning, one of the prayer meetings, uh, Vic, I asked Vic, I said, can you read a Bible verse? Because he had his Bible there. He's a real Christian. He's not one of these phone things. He's got a real proper <laughs> leather Bible. So I'm glad he was there to bring the word. And I said, read us, read us a scripture. And he read one of my life scriptures. And we've probably all got faves, you know, that God's spoken to you. Psalm 37 verse 4 says, trust in the Lord. Do good, dwell in the land, enjoy safe pasture, delight yourself in the Lord. I love a five-point message. See, it's five things you've got to do. So trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land, enjoy safe pasture, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And so um, I've prayed over that those two verses many, many times, and I really believe that's part of our our for us, our journey, our calling was to dwell, to stay, uh, that you know, word obviously means to inhabit, to stay, to to settle. Um, and we felt that coming to the Central Coast, like you heard our journey here. And we we're like, right, we're going to be here. Uh, I remember Phil said, actually, look, if you take, you know, this calling on for the church, I, I need you to commit for two years. I'm like... Yeah, all right, no dramas, because he was used to so many people going, I'll do that, I'll cut my teeth here, but I'm going to go there, and then I'm starting this church, but I really want to go to the big city, and yeah, and so he was like, he had guys starting churches, but he had people chopping and changing all over, and he's like, I just need someone to stay somewhere and build a church, and we read that, you know, fruitful, healthy churches are built over a long period of time, yeah. so that suited us. And that so did you get some sort of bonus for exceeding no, your, your two-year appointment? After yeah. two years, I said, we're still here. And he's like, yeah, yeah. He probably forgot what he yeah, said, yeah. but I've made jokes with him over that. <laughs> but yes, I think that's for us as well. I think it's important for people and for you guys and for Christians not to be chopping and changing, whether it's churches or relationships, or jobs, obviously husbands. Um, thinking anything or are you just saying it's just your personal journey carrying your cross but you know and of course God moves us on I mean you're they not, really, you're not Canada, really you're nice here. that's great so God moves us around um, uh, but we go when God calls us not just when we're upset or feeling excited about some whim so dwell in the land enjoy what God puts us and then of course our delight in God is is uh is just number one, seeking first his kingdom, you know, and that's our, our calling and our, what we want others to pick up on too, that we seek the Lord and then he gives you the desires of your heart. He puts them in your heart and then he rewards them. So I think that's, that, that's a, uh, you know, a bit of a theme for us as, as a church and for others to mm. pick up on. Yeah, so that kind of longevity, like three decades you've been doing this, which is actually quite rare statistically. So... Mum, why are you still here? And then 
Dad, how are you still doing this? Go. Well, the the how is just, uh, you know, staying fresh in God, seeking God, um, you know, getting the joy of the Lord, strengthening you, Mm -hmm. having those disciplines of praying and reading the word and pressing into God when times are tough, um, having uh, outlets, you know, I play sport or ride motorbikes and we take breaks and get away and so all those sorts of things are, are the hows which I think applies to everybody to be able to stay at something you know just to um, uh, not just grind to a halt or get driven and dry but to uh, stay fresh um, and to ha- enjoy family or friends um, you know have fun times in your life uh, so we've we've done that over the years sorry yeah and Jesus gives you a light yoke you know you don't you know if it's you're gonna shift yeah. shift your mindset, yeah. you know, rather than just go. Oh, this is so tough. Sometimes it might feel tough, but if you turn on SBS News, realise well, hang on a minute, it could be you know it could be a lot worse. What am I complaining about? Um, and even if it is tough, the why? Why do you keep doing it? Yeah, I mean, because I think it's when you're doing what God wants you to do. There's joy. It's a delight. Life has its challenges, but it's fun. I I love. I love it. I, we were supposed to be taking long service leave, and I'm like, how short a time? Like, can She's hopeless. Be, like, make her she keeps like, go negotiating yeah. her way down. Why would I want to go away? This is fun. I love being here every Sunday. It's a delight. I don't want to go away. So I'm not like people say, you need a break. I'm like, well, I actually don't. My break is in Jesus. Like I've, I find him, he refreshes me morning by morning. I don't feel this need to stop. Yeah. So we, we will keep serving here for as long as he wants. And probably then you're going to be the caretaker when we retire, we've decided. so. Wait, you're going to move yeah. him into the cottage? Yeah, yeah. You can move it. We'll move into the cottage and he'll be, he'll be a good caretaker. Yeah, you actually. would actually. Property manager. So, we'll demote um, you. <laughs> no, we don't mind. We'll just do whatever God wants. It's all the same. Although we need somebody else to do some of the handyman, putting the shelves up. I've got Tony. He's going to retire soon as well. It'll be me and Tony. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm the two going, of you. I'm just going to what hand him the tools. In the cottage you, and you'll see yeah. us walking around with our walking frames and I'll just hand him the hammer and he'll fix it. <laughs> he wander over here. What about the other day? Dad's trying to get into this shed on the property and he called Mitchell. Check off and was like, oh, this shed, the kids. The other day, some years ago. Yeah, you're really oh, digging I, okay, this Okay, I heard about it the other day. I thought it was recent. And Mitchell was like, yeah, you just got to turn the key the other way. Oh, yeah, thanks, Mitch. I'm in. <laughs> so there'll be a rigorous training course before you're a caretaker. You'll just boss people around. Yeah. Um, we all have our strengths. We love, we love we Mitchell. We're, Mitchell, like his dad, there, if you're new yeah. to the church, I just mentioned yeah, the father yeah, and the son. Okay. Fix. Yes, we're we all different parts of the body, praise God, which is yeah. fun. Um, no, we're, I'm excited about the future, and um, I really wanted to share this scripture because... You know, we've, we've just begun and it's exciting. Like, who knows what's going to happen next? And, and we need to have that attitude of excitement to serve God and freshness about the future. And Paul said here, Philippians 3, 7 to 12, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it or achieved. Like, I haven't achieved all that I want yet. I, I'm not where I want to be, but one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize to which God has called us upward. So that's our attitude is 
forget the past, whatever, who cares? We're pressing on now for the future and we're excited about the future. And Paul had that attitude. He says, I, I haven't, we haven't achieved. Like we, there's so much more to achieve in this, in this church and in our lives and in your lives. And so let's press on. And that word press on is, it's a very strong word. It's like chase, pursue. So let's, let's have that. I've got that. Go I'm after like, it. Come on. Yeah. Like really, let's, I really feel like let's keep going. I'm, so excited about youth, I'm excited about the children's ministry, I'm excited, you know, for souls. Let's press on and see what God has planned for us as, as a church, as individuals. It's really exciting. Love it. Oh, that sounds like a good place to wrap up. Final thoughts? Do you want to pray over us as we close? Yes, sure. Yeah, absolutely. There are far greater things ahead than there are behind. And so we, uh, we love that. We thank you, Lord God. Yes, Lord, we thank you. You're doing a new thing and we do forget the former things, even though we appreciate them, learn from them uh, and stand on things that we have learned in the past. We look to the future and we do that by looking to you. Uh, whether it's our church collectively with different plans, visions, uh, programs that might happen or in our own families, and our own lives, in our career and all the different goals or ideas that we might have. We thank you that your hand is upon our future, that you know the plans that you have for us to give us hope and a great future, not to harm us, but to bless, bless and prosper us. And we proclaim that for everyone here today and everyone who's part of our church and into our community. We thank you. You have a great plan for our nation, for the people in our community. Your plan, your heart is for people to come to know you, to be born again, to be planted in the house of God. We see those friends and neighbours, workmates that we witness to, we see them in the house of God. We see them next to us worshipping you. We see whole families coming to Christ. We see marriages restored. We see those kids and those teenagers discovering Jesus and getting their life set on a right course so their identity is built on the Word of God and the truth that comes from not just on what the world says or whatever they're confused about. We thank you, Lord God. You've got a great heart and hand on our nation and a great plan that we want to be part of that. And we thank you that you strengthen us all in our witness for you verbally and in action and in our lifestyle, shining your light into the community. We thank you, Lord God. We praise you and bless you and, and thank you for our community here that is influencing the broader community. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Your church, you are the head. You are the head of the church. We just find our, our parts in the body. We find our, 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 our place to be and our place to function. And we thank you that you knit us all together to work together with unity as different parts of the body as we move forward. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.